Welcome to Restore, a podcast seeking to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. And now your host, Javier Diaz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Restore Podcast, Episode 10. I'm excited to share with you today's podcast in which we have a conversation regarding the question, what does it mean to be part of the church? I'm joined with my two friends and colleagues, Pastor Tim Goff, who is the Ministerial Field Associate for Central Florida, and Pastor Rudy Alvir, who is the Ministerial Field Associate for South Florida. In this podcast, I step out of the hosting chair, per se, and join the conversation as we begin to answer the question, what does it mean to be part of the church? This question, in, in one shape or form, has been on my heart for some time. And I hope in this particular podcast, it can be a platform to help further engage this utmost important question. In the podcast, we mentioned certain books, which are in the show notes, if you'd like to check them out. And lastly, though we mentioned it at the end of the podcast, I just want to remind everyone of our Restore Conference coming up in about two months. So please make sure to go over to our website, RestoreTheMission.com, for all the info. We'd love to see you at the conference. With that said, here's our conversation as we begin to answer the question, what does it mean to be part of the church? I am so glad to welcome my friends and my colleagues, uh, Rudy and uh, Tim, to the Restore podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, Javier. Hey, Javier, team. Nice to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely, brothers. Absolutely, friends. Glad to have you guys. And uh, uh, Tim is actually in the studio with me, and uh, Rudy is down south uh, in the comfort of his home, and that's okay. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Um, with that said, I just want us to get right into it. Uh, we are unpacking the question of what does it mean to be part of the church? And uh, by this conversation, we're not saying that we're going to answer every aspect of it, but we hope that it will uh, be a catalyst, that it will spark uh, the, uh, the essence for those that are that, you know, will be listening to uh, be able to go even deeper. And perhaps we may even have a part two to even go um, further our conversation. And so this is going to be more of a conversation than an interview, um, as um, we said in the intro. And so I want to start with you, Rudy. Rudy, what does it mean for you to be part of the church? Okay, uh, I I really appreciate the topic, uh, Javier, because um, one of the one passion that I have is to talk about identity, specifically with young people. Uh, we, I believe that we have an identity crisis, you know, and uh, sometimes it's necessary. We all go through it. Uh, but the problem is when we are maturing, but we're still with that identity crisis, a problem. And I think that as a church, we can run into the same problem. We can have an, ident- an identity crisis. So uh, I, I pretty much appreciate the topic, and I think a framework, you know, uh, uh, for this discussion uh, will be to understand that the church exists in a context of a war, you know. Uh, in our community, uh, we call it the great controversy. So we're in the middle of a war, and, and here's a church, you know. And what does it mean for the church? What, what is the church doing uh, in a war, what is this group of believers do, doing in the context of a of a cosmic war? Okay, so so you're saying that uh, for you the the meaning of what does it mean to be church exists within the 
um, the essence of the spiritual warfare that is going on right now on our planet, as we believe and as the Bible we believe, um, you know, clearly shows. Is that is that what I'm hearing you Correct. say? That's what I'm saying, Javier. Because if we if we ignore that, if we think we just live in 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 the context of peace, you mm-hmm. know, that everything is okay, I think that's where we run into problems. Thinking that the church, uh, it's a club. You know, it's just it's just a place of gathering. Uh, but but when we put the real context, we are in a war, and I like the word that you use, the cosmic word, mm-hmm. uh, in this planet, in this universe. Uh, I think that's a good starting point, you know, uh, to start talking about what does it mean to be a church? What what, what is the identity of the church? Okay, so so it seems like your your starting point in answering the question is with within again within the context of the battle that uh, we, particularly in our community of faith as Seventh-day Adventists, we strongly believe in the battle between good and evil, between Jesus and Satan. And Jesus has a church in the midst of this war, of this spiritual warfare, um, in which we are all in as followers of Jesus. Um, let me go with you, Tim. What, what is, uh, what, how do you begin to answer this question? Thanks, Javier. And Rudy, appreciate your insight on uh, on the war between good and evil and how that how that speaks and informs us as to the the world we're in and what we deal with on a on a personal as well as a, a um, relational as well as a you know cosmic environment. I'm persuaded that uh, the church, to answer your question, Javier, is is a community of called people. Um, while there were believers from the Garden of Eden that followed God, it was not until Abraham that God established a called people. He calls Abraham, of course, to to leave his home and to become part of uh, his his new community that he began to form. It was a very slow forming community, but eventually it would result in uh, twelve tribes of Israel, and those twelve tribes of Israel would be uh, eventually in Exodus, cause an Exodus out of Egypt, and uh, but they were called out of Egypt, and. Um, Later, many years later, they were called out of Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And the, the, the followers of God have always been in an environment of being called. And the church today is no different. We are a community of, of the ecclesia or the called ones, the gathered ones that uh, are distinguished from those who are unaware of God's purposes in their life. Okay. So your context is, um, again, the constant aspect from the very beginning when God calls Israel out of, at, out of Egypt. And it begins within that essence, along with the fact that it is a battle between good versus evil and the church is in the middle of it. But you're going straight back in the Bible from the very beginning of when God calls people out from Abraham down to the Israelites um, at out of Egypt. Is that correct? Yes. And then there's a distinction. I mean, when we're called out of of Egypt, it's symbolic of being called out of the brokenness of the world. And we see this call all the way to the end of scripture, where even in uh, in Revelation, God's people or or even sinners, if you will, are called to make a final decision to to embrace the gospel, to embrace Jesus. One of the last scriptures in the Bible are the spirit and the bride say, come. And whoever hears, let him come. Let whoever's a thirst, let him come. It's an invitation to become part of what God is doing uh, on the planet. Interesting, extremely. I, I 
I personally, and um, it kind of feels weird to to um, answer my own question as as I've mentioned. You know, this is going to be more of a conversation than me just interviewing you guys um, as we have this. Uh, I, I I can ask you, Javier. What do you think? <laughs> what is it for you? Please do the please. church, Javier. Absolutely, <laughs> the host, Rudy. Absolutely. Thank you for asking <laughs> that fantastic question, Rudy. And um, for me, the meaning of the church, or what does it mean? Um, to be part of the church. Um, obviously, both of your answers, um, we do live currently in a context and the church has, one can say the church has always obviously lived in that context between good and evil um, on this earth. Um, and that certainly uh, that call, ecclesia, right? The, the, you know, Greek for church um, of the called out. And I, and I follow those same, you know, realms. For me, it has... A, a meaning. The church is is a gathered church, right? A church that gathers and a church that is scattered. Um, some have said that the first gathering of the church, the first gathering of the church, was on Mount Sinai, right? When um, Israel was was called out, and they and, and then they go there on the mountain as with you know Moses leading, as many of us know the story very well. And uh, some writers on ecclesiology will, will say on the study of the church will say that that's the first major gathering of the church right there with Israel. And of course, we can uh, debate that if we'd like to some other time. And so that's part of the gathering. You know, Sam Albury um, wrote a book called Why Bother with Church? And he said in that book, and I tweeted this out a while back, it said, church is not a meeting you attend, but a body you belong to. And um, so I believe that part of that meaning is just from the very beginning, we are a body. It has been a body. I mean, the Israelites were part of that body that God had called out in redemption, in salvation, right? Called them out of, uh, out of Egypt. And in the New Testament, it's the same way God calls us out of sin, right? God calls us out of our way of life into a new way of life. And we join him as he is the head. And so we, we have this biblical foundation throughout that we can clearly go in a more deeper fashion and what it means to be the church theologically, right? Um, on a, and, and that to me is the church gathered in, in part. Um, it, Isaiah 66, um, interestingly enough, um, talks about uh, that from, here, let me look it up, right? From one uh, Sabbath to another and, uh, I'm going to look it up here on my phone. Just give me a give me a second here. This is just live, at least for us here. And we'll probably keep this even though I'm looking for the text. But Isaiah 66, uh, the last verse is a verse that um, within our community faith and our evangelistic meetings, public evangelistic meetings, we have uh, used often to um, defend the importance of the seventh day Sabbath. And rightly so. It's a great text. Uh, but the text says from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And there's an essence there, once again, as Isaiah is looking to the new earth, right, um, that we will come before God, even in the new earth, to worship in other words, there will continuously be a gathering, it seems, very clearly, even in the new church, even in the new earth, I should say. 
And so, again, to me, with along with what you guys have talked about, that aspect that this is some something that we do here now is something that we're going to continue to do perhaps in a however that will look on the new earth, right? All of God's people, the whole earth coming together, however that will be. It's just something that um, me personally, it boggles my mind. And I, I can't wait to be part of that on the new earth. Just excites me to see, wow, all of God's people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and so on will be coming together in this new earth to worship God. And to me, that brings such a deep meaning biblically when I read these verses and I see the history of what God is doing. And it it empowers me um, for today when I think of that. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm talking too much here. I'm getting excited that I'm actually <laughs> talking. So what, what do you guys think of this? Well, you know what, uh, Javier, that um, <clears throat> when, and let me go back, let me go back to the theme of, of the war, you know, uh, one of you two mentioned uh, the church is part of what God wants to do in this planet, and, and I like that because in the context of a war, uh, what God did in a way is invade, you know, he's invading this planet uh, with his people, with his church. Uh, eventually he invaded this planet with his son, you know, and Jesus Christ. And even after that, of course, uh, Jesus uh, specifically found, founded, the, founded the church, you know, uh, to continue and carry on the work of invasion, you know, on this planet uh, that is hostile, that is enemy. But there is an element uh, of what you're saying, you know, if we think, if we think of the task, uh, of the church, we have to think of three, uh, you know, ministry to God, which is, I think, what you're referring to, you know, we worship, we follow Jesus, we pray, and, 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 and that gathering is important, you know, uh, in the Western, uh, uh, we're not uh, so much uh, fans of big gatherings, you know, uh, we're very individualistic, but there is a place for the church, even in the West, so we, we, we gather together to minister to God, and it's encouraging, Javier, I, I, I agree. It's encouraging to know that we will continue to do that. The other one uh, task will be ministering to believers, right? Uh, we nurture, we, uh, we fellowship, we support each other. Uh, and the third one, uh, there are only three, I think, is ministering to the world, you know, through evangelism and social concerns, you know, which I think is something that we need to talk about. But yeah, the first task is that of worshiping God, and it's encouraging to me, it's exciting. That is not something that is just going to happen here on earth, but we will continue to do it uh, throughout eternity. Right, absolutely, and I appreciate those three points. I mean, to me, that's part of the church scattered, right? The, the following two points that you that you mentioned. Of, of course, it's not that we don't worship on an individual basis, but again, biblically, there's clearly a an, an, a deep essence of beauty of coming together as the full body of Christ and worshiping the head of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so along with, again, the church scattered is the essence of, to me, as the church goes throughout the week, um, it is the church wherever it goes, right? It is the church that is proclaiming Jesus, being the hands and feet wherever we are in whatever part we go to. Um, I, I, I know I'm not Javier, the first person. Javier, man- I, I, yeah, uh, I would like to emphasize a little bit about what you were saying about the gathering, you know, because sure. not too long ago I heard a sermon about Isaiah. Uh, the sermon was in the context of the calling, 
of Isaiah the prophet when he went into the temple. Mm -hmm. And this pastor was expanding, you know, on the tragedy, the chaos that was going on in, in, in Isaiah's world because the king had died, his friend had died. You know, some, some commentators say that there was uh, uncle and nephew, but they were good friends, obviously. Uh, but this preacher was saying, but even though there were scales going around, he went into the temple because he said that something happens when you go into the temple. Something, uh, he didn't say magical, you know, but uh, uh, a miracle happens that doesn't happen at home. It is true we can worship individually, but something, there is something there, uh, uh, miraculously when we walk into the temple, when we go and, and worship together. In other words, there's something powerful of that gathering experience with the rest of God's people. And so, what uh, you know, the, the, the gathered uh, church. And so totally agree with that uh, preacher's example. Um, what, what I was going to say also along those same lines is that uh, uh, in, in the essence of the scattered church, it's interesting. And again, I'm not, I was going to say I'm not the first person to say this per se, but in our typical churches, um, and we all know because we, we travel to different churches throughout this conference and uh, churches have evangelism leaders, right? They have evangelism directors. Our conference has an evangelism director, evangelism team, and so on. Um, but in essence, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that in the New Testament, um, Paul sets up leaders of the church, right? The elders. Um, and we could even say in Timothy, deacons, but apostles, but after that, there's no other, like there is no evangelism director <laughs> in the early church, it seems, because it just seemed that as a church scattered, as being part of the church, part of that meaning was that you are evangelism wherever you go, if I can say it that way. Yeah, I would agree with you, Javier, that the church is, uh, is, a, is wherever a believer is. Um, Jesus is uh, promised us the Holy Spirit. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so whether we're gathered or whether we're scattered, we're the church wherever God leads us. And that could, of course, mean it could be in our home. We're the church with our family. We're the church when I'm at the workplace, in the marketplace, you know, at the ball field, uh, at the shopping center. I'm still the church. And what's fascinating about this is Jesus has taken the whole concept of, of what the body of believers are and has uh, multiplied it so much farther than anyone could imagine. For example, if I can just draw back on this a second, um, Israel thought of themselves as the, the embodiment uh, of God's purpose in community. I mean, they were the called people, if you will, out of Egypt. They were tribes, they were clans, uh, they had families, they were uh, ordered according to thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, Ten families, if you will, in a given community, they saw themselves as a nation, but they couldn't imagine that the gospel was to actually go to the whole world. And what Jesus does, he equips the church to be believers everywhere and actually restores what it says in Exodus, that it was God's plan from the very beginning that they would be a kingdom of priests. And this is reiterated again in the New Testament. In Hebrews, that we would indeed be a kingdom of priests. Peter draws us to that. You're a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, um, giving service to God. And so 
I don't usually think of myself when I go to the uh, car parts store uh, that I'm a priest in the car parts store, but mm-hmm. I could be. Sure. You know, I could be in a marketplace. Um, it just so happened recently I was on a plane coming back from the EC3 conference, mm-hmm. and there was a Cubs fan sitting next to me, and we just had an awesome conversation. And with some just some listening and some careful questions, before we knew it, we were talking about our favorite topic, of course, and where God is in their life and his family. And, um, you know, when it was all over, it was like, we want to get together and, and for lunch or breakfast now. We've never met, but now we are. Now we're friends. And so it's kind of like this is the way the church operates and can. It can be a vibrant, new kind of community. Not heard of uh, before Jesus changed everything the way we understood it. He didn't do away with the old concepts, but he brings in the new concepts that every person is a priest unto God. Absolutely. And and I think um, as we have this conversation, a, a part of it is I hope that as uh, leaders listen to it, pastors listen to it, um, anybody would listen to this as followers of Jesus, that it will um, spark their own desire at the very least to really dig deep into what it means to be part of the church. Um, and I think, you know, we have all these different statistics, how more and more um, attendance, right? Uh, and I say that in quotes here, I'm like putting the the all terrible, don't do the air quote thing, attendance, and how different churches of all denominations um, will say, except perhaps some of the bigger churches, some of the mega churches, but our attendance is declining overall. And uh, we see that. And, and we can go into many reasons why that is happening, right? But particularly uh, with the younger generation, millennials and so on, um, attendance is less. But I, I sometimes want to say that people say, is church still relevant, right? That's like a question. I have a sermon um, that I preach in regards to, is church still relevant? And um, again, we can change so many things about helping people understand what it means to be part of the gathered church, as we spoke about, part of the uh, scattered church, which is how we live our life every day. And I think as we look deeper into that meaning, it will give us a better understanding of both, meaning meaning biblically and what that means on an everyday basis, right? And kind of going back to the aspect is we really shouldn't need, and maybe this is going too far, an evangelism director. Because if everybody as followers of Jesus would be doing what we as part of the body and is supposed to do as followers of Jesus, it would bring back this in-depth meaning of what it means to follow Jesus individually. We would come together as the group of believers in a local area, wherever that may be, wherever you live, as followers of Jesus. And we would just be responding to the great things that God is doing in our lives in one shape, form, or another, even through our trials, our tribulations. And so, as you can see, this is something that I've lately in the last, I would say at the very least, the last year and a half has is gotten really, perhaps God has put it in my mind, I would say, to dig deeper into answering this question. And I think that we all need to really dig deep um, into what it really means to be part of the church, because perhaps part of the reason that people are attending church less, if we can say it that way. And again, not that it's all about attending a gathering, but perhaps part of that um, is that people are not fully understanding 
what it means to be part of the church. You follow me? I think <clears throat> um, I like I like what you're saying, Tim. When you when you gave us a little background of how Israel uh, were looking at themselves, you know, I appreciate when you said they never thought it never crossed their mind. You know, uh, it was not possible for them to reach the whole planet. You know, and yet that that was God's intention, and that is God's intention today. And, and I think that's where uh, uh, we're missing the point, Javier. Uh, people. You know, we create these dichotomies, right? Uh, we focus on on our outreach locally. You know, I I, I have to make a difference here in my local uh, context, and that is true. That is true. You have to do that. Yet we also have a mission that uh, is more universal. You know, it goes through the whole planet. We cannot go the same path that Israel went. You know, and 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 just concentrate on my local context and ignore what is going in the whole world, what is going on in other countries. So it's not one or the other, you know. Uh, I think that when we challenge uh, millennials, when we challenge young people, uh, teenagers, you know, with the concept of, hey, it's not just a local thing, it's just not a, not just a gathering every weekend. Uh, it, it, it doesn't pertain to just my neighborhood, even though it does, you know, we're not ignoring that, it's not one or the other. It's both aspects, but I'm making a difference in the world, and I have to make a difference in the world. I have to be concerned not only about what is going on in my neighborhood, but also what is going on around in the world. We, we have to see this, again, I go back to my point, as a cosmic war, you know, as a universal war. Uh, the, the, the implications are bigger than just my local gathering. Well, absolutely, and I think that... Uh, when you say that uh, as a, and I'm, now I'm just going to speak about our community of faith, um, I, I think that we are in a position, I would say, to really be able to do that as our, our, our denomination, if I can say that I know that word denomination and church is not about, you know, denomination and I understand that. But we are in a position, regardless of the inner workings of things happening and different viewpoints on different things that this is not uh, not what the, what this podcast is about but we are a global church is what I'm trying to get at to what you're saying right. and and we can see that as people of all ages worship together all over the world as the church in different places at different times in different backgrounds and different colors and it's just a beautiful thing to see and that because of the world that we live in today with social media and everything else, uh, that we're able to see what's going on. And we're able to help perhaps in some shape, form, or manner of different things going on in the world. We're able to do something, say something to some degree. Um, so I agree. It's not either or. We are the church, and we are the church that helps it however we can globally. And I think, again, as a community of faith, uh, uh, we do okay. And, of course, we can always improve. And it's also about making sure that we do that locally, whatever that may be, right? Whatever it is that we need to do in our local context, that we are, again, we use that term hands and feet of Jesus, but it's such a great, you can call it a, a you know, a cliche, call it whatever we want. Um, but we are, we are the hands and feet. We are part. And again, I, I want to stress that we, we do. I want to challenge those that are listening to, I don't, I haven't done this. This is our 10th podcast. Um, and I've never done this, but I want to challenge those who may be listening that each of us, 
we'll look deep into answering that question. What does it mean for us? Because I think the deeper we go, um, uh, we will be, if I can, I'm going to go ahead and do it. We will be restored, right? Restoring that vision, restoring the mission that God has called us in. Um, Tim, you, you mentioned this text earlier in the first Peter chapter two, I believe, but I want to read it. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And here it is that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this, his marvelous light. Mm-hmm. And he continues, Peter, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I finish with this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And here's here's uh, what you started um, us off with, you know, Rudy, which wage war against your soul. Right. It's that constant battle. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And we have this picture here, right? Just an amazing picture. Tim, go ahead. Um, just I want to spin on that with you, uh, Javier, because the church is a different kind of community than what we would see uh, apart from the people of God or people of faith. The church is a new kind of community. I mean, there's a hope that we have. Uh, there's a family dynamic there that is meaningful, whether you have relatives or not in the church. Uh, there's a spiritual care. Uh, the heart is renewed. There's a regeneration experience that happens when we understand the gospel and we receive the gospel. When we receive Jesus personally, when we understand that, that he personally took our sin away and in exchange gave us the credit of his holy life. That we could stand with God, uh, even now is the picture in the New Testament, that we sit in heavenly places with our Father in heaven. That is just outrageous. But that's the way God wants us to think of ourselves as a new kind of community. And this kind of community, to me, it, it, it is uh, exemplified in the values that we share. You know, when we talk about meaning, Javier, uh, meaning, I believe, is a collection of va- values, or meaning is derived when we understand values. And the values that I believe the church has are, are well um, um, explained from Paul's letter to the Colossians. For example, he, taught, he teaches the Colossians about uh, putting away anger and wrath and malice, uh, blasphemy, uh, filthy language. He's, you know, don't let this stuff happen to you. Uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 10, he says, you're a new man. Um, and live according to the knowledge that, uh, and the image of him who created you. In verse 11, it says, it, it draws us to the, the another value that there's no Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. We're all one in Christ. This is, an, this is a, a radical new approach to what the community could be in the world. And God is calling us to this precious, most uh, amazing kind of community who would not want to be a part of it. Hmm. Let me, let me ask you guys something when I hear that, uh, Tim, and just thinking of our conversation here so far. Um, and you guys tell me if, uh, what you guys think about this. Um, I, I would venture to say that among different reasons, uh, perhaps one of them um, among many uh, that people 
are, again, attending church less or compartmentalizing the essence that churches is something you do on a weekend and the rest of the of the days you can just go about your regular business um, instead of being the church gathered and the church scattered. Could it be that perhaps one of the reasons that we're seeing less people and and again, I've fallen short many, many times. So I'm putting my I'm being the first one out there saying this um, is that we within the essence of answering the question, what does it mean to be part of the church within that? Um, the deep essence of that is that we are a saved people. In other words, if we don't realize that we've been saved by the blood of the mm, lamb, exactly. right, as it's um, often sung and talked about then would even the church have any meaning for us? And there's no question. I love that. I love that because, you, you see, um, what Tim was describing, you know, the realities that we have in Jesus Christ, they're just amazing. You know, the realities that we have in Jesus Christ Paul states throughout the letters, you know, that that motif in Christ because of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They just blow our minds, you know. And and when we understand that uh, and make it clear, you know, when we believe in it and make it clear, we model that, those realities to young people. Uh, just to compliment, I would like to ask the question, what for? You know, uh, okay, we do understand that in, in, in a young person in Australia ask a evangelist once, I get it, you know, I see it in the scripture, talking about uh, some truths and doctrines, you know, uh, I get it. And then she said, now what? Now what? What do we do with that? So just to compliment that, you know, um, I heard a story, uh, it was in a book by, uh, it was written by Josh Ross and Jonathan Stormont. They wrote a book uh, called Bringing Heaven to Earth. You don't have to wait for eternity to live the good news. So in that in that book, they tell a story uh, about a, a young man, a Christian young man that grew up in Germany during the Nazi period, you know. And he says that in this particular church, uh, they, they, will, they knew what was going on with the Jews, you know, in Germany, but they thought of themselves of such a small church, of such a small people that there was nothing, absolutely nothing they could do. And so they decided to ignore what was going on. But it goes deeper. The story goes deeper. It says that the church was located near a train station, and, and they will hear the train, and they will hear the trains carrying Jews to the concentration camps. And so they will hear those uh, people screaming, you know, crying, asking for help. And so that church, the local church, the young man said, we also had hearts. So we, we heard and, 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 and we suffered. But you know what they decided to do? I mean, ignoring went to a deeper level because they said they learned the schedule of the trains. So they will prepare so that when the trains were coming, they will sing their songs, their theological sound songs louder. Wow. They will sing louder so that they couldn't hear uh, the screaming of the Jews in the trains. I mean, this is a a, 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 a very interesting portrait of what our church could be uh, and, and what church could learn, you know, what members could learn that we are. Uh, and we're not that. 
I appreciate uh, Javier, you were saying, we don't see these evangelists and this guy. Is every member doing that? Every member has a, a, a part to do. And we cannot ignore, could it be? That's a good question. Could it be that there are things that we do in our church uh, theologically, you know, as important as they are? Again, let us not create a dichotomy and say, let's ignore theology. We cannot do that. No. That will be uh, identity crisis right there from the beginning. But could it be that there are things that we're doing, things that we're believing, that automatically we're ignoring what is going on in the world, what is going on in my neighborhood, what is happening right now? Absolutely. And uh, certainly, I think uh, to some degree, you know, I could only speak for myself. You know, that's that's a pro I have been guilty of that um, and have to ask the Lord for, you know, forgiveness because we, we can be very selfish people in that essence, even as followers of Jesus. You know, Mark Devers in his um, book, um, he he states uh, the church made visible is the name of the book it came out uh, you know several years ago. It says when the church gathers, it gathers not simply as an instructed or edified people, but as a ransomed and saved people. And that's there's deep. I mean, for me, I mean, we we know this, but the more I start to contemplate it, Tim, the more I start to think about it. And then back to Sam Halberry's book on why church, he says a healthy church will be thinking about how they can declare God's praises to their community in both their gathered meetings and when their members are scattered throughout that community during the week. Right. So in, in, in other words, we're, we can't ignore things happening around us. We can't ignore the needs, the wants of people. We can't ignore what God has called us to do. And the more we start thinking about this, let me say it in personal way, the more I've been thinking about this, and I've been in ministry for a long time, I've been a follower of Jesus all my life, and of course I had a big falling away and I came back, I have, you know, the big comeback to uh, Jesus' story. But let me tell you, the more I've been contemplating the meaning of what it really means to be part of the body of Christ, who died for me mm -hmm. and saved me. And again, I just, I reiterate the fact along that could it be that we are just to some degree talking about church without talking about the essence of who Jesus is. We're talking about church in a form of a building. Uh, we're talking about church. Sometimes even, you know, when we say church planting, we're, we're so focused on church planting. And I'm not, I'm just saying this in a general sense that we need to realize that that, that church planting is, is, is part of the body of Christ. And it's, for Christ and for Jesus so that people in our community, the reason we plant new churches is that people can see the vibrancy of what it means to be part of that body of Christ. That's beautiful, Javier. I'm reminded of th that our upcoming Restore Conference, we have a very special guest uh, will be there, Michael Frost. And I just want to draw attention. I just finished his short little book called Surprise the World. Yes. And um, uh, he points out five Five areas how uh, church members can can uh, be missional, and they can uh, by adopting five basic habits um, habits of believers. And uh, one of them is to be a blessing, to literally bless other people's lives, to look for the opportunity to bless them, you know, wherever we are. And that's that priesthood of all believers experience you know we can we can be the church we can be the high priest if or not the high priest but we can be a priest in the community wherever we wherever we are at any given point 
He also recommends that we eat with friends. He, he suggests we do it three times a week. I love that. Um, but uh, excellent. A, a third area is to listen carefully to what people are saying. Uh, when we learn more about people's lives and their experience, when we really learn to listen to them, uh, they will they will not only be cared for, they'll feel valued, and um, and friendships will grow as a result. Um, learn learning is another one, and of course the last one is sent. I don't want to go too much into the book, but this book describes what I believe uh, is the challenge that we have as a church. We have a tension. We have a tension, especially, I believe, within our own tribe as an Adventist church, that we are rooted in establishing truth and teaching and information, knowledge, and, and, and where that is important. It also has a limitation um, because I know in my own heart it's easier for me to teach the gospel than to live a grace-filled life. Mm. Yes. I mean, that's just a dramatic difference in between the two things. Guilty. It's easier for me to teach church history than to, if you will, help continue the writing of the book of Acts. Um, it's easier to talk about the church than to live in community with my fellow church members. Mm -hmm. And I also realize it's sometimes easier to discuss policy than to, than to really address uh, the community needs that are uh, all around me. Mm. Yes. You know, that, that, so meaning comes to the church when we see that we are called to something much bigger than what is going on in the business world, although those are important places where God finishes his work. But he's called us to look a little higher and to uh, see a greater calling. Absolutely. Uh, Rudy, you wanted to say something in um, closing. Yeah, I just I just wanted to 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 reaffirm, you know, uh in case we haven't made it clear, we affirm this. We believe that the church is the hope of the world. Yes. We believe that the church is necessary uh, to cure, you know, to bring about healing in the world. Uh, I heard, I heard a, an analogy, and I want to make it sure, Javier. Uh, I heard from a pastor an analogy of a, a, a soccer team, you know, uh, they usually play on Sundays, you know, in the Mexican League or European League. They usually play on Sundays. But throughout the week, they re they train, right? And what they do throughout this training is they play uh, a soccer game, a football game. They do play, uh, but it's not a real game, you know, because the real game is on Sunday. And, and this guy was saying, uh, what do we do when we gather as a church on weekends is just rehearsing. It's just practice because the real ministry takes place uh, throughout the week. Uh, Steve was saying at the beginning, in, the, in my neighborhood, in the supermarket, in, in my workplace, in the school. And so sometimes I think one thing that has discouraged young people is that we have made the rehearsal, the practice, which is the weekend gathering, the main thing. And we never play. We never play for real throughout the week, you know. We just gather to rehearse, to rehearse, to rehearse. And that's boring, man, if we don't really play the real game throughout the week. Because really, real ministry uh, takes place throughout the week helping my neighborhood. Absolutely. Uh, um, it's, it's like playing, and uh, Tim kind of shared this with me here. It's like playing fantasy football or the real deal, right? Okay. <laughs> being out on the field. <laughs> being out on the field. And, and that is absolutely, absolutely true. And I appreciate that, you know, illust illustration from that sermon. We, we've been having an amazing conversation here. And I know that we can definitely uh, continue forward. And like I said, perhaps in the future, in the near future, we may have a part two to this conversation. 
um, about what it means to be part of the church. And um, I think we just are scratching this, the you know surface and we hit uh, different areas on purpose. And that's why uh, we having this conversation, this uh, you know panel here. And I appreciate you guys being on it. And those that are, are listening, we are open to hearing from you. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to remind you, um, as uh, we normally do at the end of the show and the closing remarks, or end at the beginning, I should say, or at least I do, um, about the Restore Conference. And the Restore Conference is all about this conversation in different forms. And we really want to encourage you. It's happening January 30 and 31 of 2017. Uh, make sure you go to RestoreTheMission.com, RestoreTheMission.com, and uh, register. And if you're able to come, uh, we encourage pastors, leaders to, to uh, bring someone with them uh, so that they too can be empowered, inspired. Uh, we're going to have great worship. And so we want to really encourage you to come to this uh, conference in January. Um, as we continue to have the conversation of what it means to restore the vision and restore the mission. And I hope that as you've been listening to this conversation, um, and again, as we've just, I would say even in the time that we've had here, we've just scratched the surface on the essence of what it means to be the church. But we pray that it will be a catalyst for you guys as you're listening, wherever you may be listening, that you will dig deep and answer the question for yourself, what does it mean to be the church? Thank you all for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this Restore podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our inspiring episodes.